On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Thanks very much, Taryn. And we're starting a new series here at Christchurch over the summer. Um, We're going to be in uh, the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be looking at encounters that people had with Jesus. And the encounter that we're starting with is Simon. And we're going to just work our way through this uh, true account of, of this uh, encounter. And we're going to do it just by uh, looking at it under four headings as we go through the story. Jesus goes fishing for people in verses 1 to 3. Jesus goes fishing for Simon in verses 4 to 7. We'll see how Simon... Is, by the way, we're going to spend most of our time in that section. We'll see that Simon is caught in verse 8. And then Simon is called to fish for people in verses 9 to 11. Uh, Along the way, as we kind of follow through this encounter, we will just have to stop at some of the turning points, some of those key and crucial moments, and and we will draw from them uh, the lessons that God would have for us this morning. So as we begin, let's ask that God might help us. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that we might see Jesus and that we might respond to his word, that you might give us the grace to respond to his word by faith and obedience. Amen. Uh, Well, let's uh, set the scene with Jesus going fishing for people. He's heading to the the lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee, uh, two different names for the same place. And as he's going, people are pressing in on him to hear the word of God. That is, they're they're wanting to hear what he's been preaching all around. It's there in chapter 4, verse 43, just above. Jesus tells us what he's been preaching, the good news of the kingdom of God. He's been proclaiming that God's kingdom is now coming in, that God's promises are being fulfilled, that all of this is happening in him. That's what Jesus is proclaiming, and they're pressing in upon him. As he's going, he notices at the side of the lake uh, some boats, one of them Simon's. They look a bit like this. 
Uh, that's one that was dug up from the Sea of Galilee uh, some years ago, but it's from exactly the right time period. Uh, you can see sort of how big it is. Uh, what they would do is that they would head out at night to go fish so they could cast their nets without the fish seeing, sneaky, so they could catch the fish and uh, return to shore. They'd return to shore, pull their boats up, the lads would get out, and then they'd clean their nets to get ready for the next night's fishing. And that's where, how Jesus sees Simon cleaning his nets. Because the people are pressing in, Jesus asks Simon if he could just push his boat out a bit, if Jesus could get in and could start teaching from there. Jesus is commandeering Simon's fishing boat to become his pulpit. But I really wouldn't want us to miss the picture that we're given. Jesus, in a fishing boat, fishing. That's what Jesus is doing. He's fishing, not with a net for fish, but with the good news of the kingdom of God for people. Proclaiming that news that the kingdom is coming, come to me. Come to me. That's what Jesus is doing. He's fishing for people. And it's what Jesus is still doing today. He's still fishing for people, and he fishes in exactly the same way. Not from a boat but with that same net, that same word, the good news of his kingdom. Jesus goes fishing for people. Now we see Jesus go fishing for Simon in verses 4 to 7. It's worth stopping and reminding ourselves what Simon's relationship with Jesus is like at this point, because this isn't their first encounter. They've actually already met one Sabbath day, Jesus, this is in chapter 4, verses 38 to 41, Jesus, after preaching in the synagogue, turned up at Simon's house. He healed his mother-in-law. He healed other people. Jesus has kind of already broken into to, to Simon's life. He's broken into his home life and into his relationships. And now, here he is, breaking into the ordinariness of his, his work life. There he is. As I've been with this passage all week, I've been wondering, I wonder if as Simon was sat there in the corner of the boat cleaning his nets and Jesus is preaching the good news of the kingdom, I wonder if Simon caught himself thinking, how did I end up here? How did, how did I end up? I didn't set out yesterday evening to end up in the presence of Jesus, listening to his word and with his people, and yet here I am. I wonder if he was reflecting and thinking, I didn't, you know, a year ago I didn't set out for this preacher man to end up in my house and involved in my relationships, and yet here I am. How did I end up here? And as I was reflecting, I was wondering, I wonder if that's like some of us. If we find ourselves sat here at Christchurch Bromley going, how did I end up here? You know, that wasn't my plan five years ago or before COVID. It might not have even been my plan three weeks ago to be here, and yet here I am. Here I am hearing the words of Jesus read and preached, and I'm in his presence and amongst his people. How did I end up here? Somehow in your ordinary life, there is Jesus breaking in. You think about him now when you're at home in a way you never did. He's involved in your relationships. His words help you. He's there at work as well. 
I wonder if you're asking that same question. How did I end up here? My answer to Simon, if he'd ever asked, would have been, Simon, he's fishing for you. That's how you ended up here. And my answer would be the same to you. Do you know? You're here in his presence, listening to his word amongst his people because he's fishing for you. Let's take a look at the the line he uses to catch Simon with now. He gives him a command. It's there in verse 4. He's finished preaching and he says to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. There's the command. And there are all sorts of reasons why Simon might have said, nah, I'd rather not. And we'll come to those in a moment. But that isn't how he responds. Keep reading. Now verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Get this. But at your word I will let down the nets. In response to Jesus' command, Simon responds. Not having had all the answers, not got everything sorted, but he responds with faith. He trusts his word and he says, at your word I will. And brothers and sisters, if this would be a banner over our lives, this should be a banner over our lives, an absolute resolution that we would draw upon our hearts, that whenever we hear Jesus' command, our response would be, at your word I will. That is the Christian life. It's there on the lips of Simon. It should be the resolution of all of our lives. It is responding to his word in faith. Now, there are many reasons why Simon might not have, and we'll just take a look at some of them now. You see, what Jesus commanded him to do went against the wisdom of the day. The wisdom of the day, we've already spoken about it, you go fishing at night. Not in the daytime. But Simon didn't respond by saying, look, Jesus, you're not really agreeing with the majority opinion here, so I'm going to put your word off. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, at your word I will. He, he could have responded to Jesus' command and saying, look, Jesus, you don't really know what you're talking about in this situation, in this context. I'm the expert here. I'm a fisherman. I'm a fisherman, this is fishing. You're a carpenter and a part-time preacher. You don't know what you're talking about. This context is a special one. You're speaking from uh, far away in your experience. But he doesn't say that. He says instead, at your word I will. He, He begins to say, thirdly, that he's tired because of Jesus' command. You can see it in verse five. He begins to respond. Jesus makes his command. Then in verse five, Simon answers, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. Jesus' command is going to be harder work for him. He's already tired. 
it's going to be harder work because now he's got to get the lads back in the boat, the boat back in the water, out to the deep, get the clean nets dirty, and then come back and do it all again, get the lads out of the boats, the boats back up on the beach and clean the nets so that they can do it all again tomorrow. He could have said, Jesus, no, this is too hard. I'm uncomfortable, I'm tired. But he doesn't. He doesn't say, come back tomorrow. It'll be more convenient for me to obey your command tomorrow or tomorrow evening. You can come on a fishing trip then. He doesn't say that. He says instead, at your word, I will. Brothers and sisters, this should be our heart. When we hear Jesus' commands to us, his words to us, as it's read and preached Sunday by Sunday, as we read it in the quiet of our own quiet times, as when we're going about our daily lives, we're in a meeting, we're parenting children, we're doing this, that or the other, and the Holy Spirit presses upon us, brings to remembrance something of Jesus' word, we should say, At your word I will. Let that be a banner over us. It is so easy in our own lives to have these these reasons for not doing Jesus' word. I know I feel it myself. There are things that Jesus says that I know don't fit with the wisdom of our day whether it's something like setting aside one day a week to be holy for him and all that that entails. I know that doesn't fit with our culture, but God says it to us. I know that what the Bible says about marriage, about divorce, we don't talk about that much, but what the Bible says about divorce is very different from what our culture says about divorce. Our culture says you can do it for any reason, it's okay, go for it. That's not what Jesus says. We find it hard to say yes at your word, I will with these things. And there are so many other things, how we're meant to respond to to enemies. Our culture says cut them off, cancel them, don't listen to them. Jesus says pray for them, love them. We find that so hard. Would our response not be, it doesn't fit, would it be at your word, I will? Would we not, when we hear Jesus' words, say, oh, but my situation, but my situation, your You're speaking from a long time ago, Jesus. You don't really know the ins and outs of this place. How often I've used that as an excuse. Let us say to him, at your word I will. I'm tired. How often do we say, I'm tired so I won't. I won't meditate on your word. I won't pray. I won't get there. It's We've all done it, but would we remind ourselves of how Peter responded, Simon Peter responded? He said, at your word, I will. The Lord Jesus gives us commands to love one another. And they are hard. They will take more effort than not loving one another. As we get to know one another, as we open our doors to one another, as we eat meals together, as we look after one another's children, as we give lifts to people that cannot get themselves to church. This is loving one another. It will be harder than not doing it. But would we respond to Jesus by saying, as he commands us to love one another, at your word I will.
you might this morning be someone that doesn't quite know where you are with Jesus. You might have thought, do you know what, that, I've been asking that question, how have I ended up here? Why am I here? You might have answered it by, you know, it's happenstance, it's my spouse, it's a child, somehow, somehow I've got here. But maybe you're beginning to see, to know that it is Jesus who's fishing for you. If that's you, can I tell you, I, I know what Jesus' command to you today is. His command to you today is this. Come to me. That's his command to you today. Today he's saying to you, he's fishing for you, and he is saying, come to me. Come to me as king and saviour and God. Come to me. Join me into the kingdom. Come to me. He's saying, stop going whatever way you're going and come to me. The Bible word for that is repentance. That just means turning around. Stop going that way. Come to me. That is Jesus' command to you. And over the years, it's never been fashionable. It's never been the wisdom of the day to come to Jesus. Jesus is always speaking to one particular position, one particular situation, one individual as he says it. He says, come to me. And the circumstance of that person, as they might feel, I'm not lovable, you can't forgive me, you can't really mean me, he doesn't say that. There's no excuse, there's no getting out of it. He is calling you, come to me. And perhaps we're afraid. That seems hard. Respond like Simon. Hear his word. Come to me and respond At your word, I will. There are some really wonderful reasons for that to be our banner, by the way. There are some wonderful reasons why making that line, at your word, I will, be the resolution for our life. Uh, Let me me just walk through three of them. There are so many more. But the the first one is this. We pop that up. We will see Jesus' glory as his word is fulfilled. As we say, at your word I will, and do Jesus' word, we will see his glory as his word is fulfilled. That's what happens in this story. But master, at your word I will let down the nets, verse 5, verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they they began to sink. As Simon obeyed Jesus' word, Jesus' word was fulfilled, and Simon got this glimpse of his glory, this glimpse of Jesus' glory as his word was fulfilled. Everything that Jesus says, every word that goes forth from his mouth will not return to him empty. It will achieve the purposes for which it was sent. And as Jesus fulfills his word in our lives, we will see his glory. Think for a moment. If we obey his command to pray to pray in all seasons, to pray all the time without ceasing, to bring to him all of our anxieties because he cares for us. 
And he answers our prayers because he will. We will see his glory as he gives us peace that surpasses understanding as he brings resolutions that we couldn't imagine ourselves, we will see his glory working in us. As we fulfill his word, as we keep his word to love one another, we will be made more loving and more lovely. As we obey his commands, he will make us braver and more courageous. He will make us kinder He will make us more joyful and more peaceful. Isn't that what we want in our lives? And as that happens, as he fulfills his purposes in us, we will see his glory because there's no other explanation for how it will happen in our lives but him. If we want to see Jesus' glory in our lives, and I take it that we do, let us obey his word and live it. Think if we were to love as Christ loved us one another. Think the glory that there would be amongst us. Think how we would stick out like healthy, extraordinarily healthy thumbs. Think how beautiful our life together would be as we image his, him. (laughs) Reason one to obey his word is that as, is that we will see Jesus' glory as his word is fulfilled in us. Reason two, the nature of Jesus' word. Jesus' word is the word of God. We know what God's word is. We've, been, we've looked at it over the last few years. What happens at the very beginning? God speaks everything into existence. His word is life-giving. By his word, he makes planets, plants, and platypuses, and everything else. His word is more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It makes the simple wise. Humans, we're like grass. The wind blows. The place knows it no more and it is gone. But the word of the Lord lasts forever. It's at God's word that the galaxies keep spinning, that empires rise and fall. It is at God's word. Think of this glorious thought, that when Simon said, at your word I will, and they pushed out and they let down their nets, they were walking in perfect conformity to the purpose of their very existence, in line with God's word, at that moment, perfectly, beautifully, If we want to live in line, to keep in step with the Spirit, to live in line perfectly with God's will, the will of the God of the whole universe, the the will of the one who brings life by his word, when we hear it, we say, at your word I will, and we do it. It is a glorious thought that each one of us can be doing that whenever we hear Jesus' command. And here's thirdly why we should make that at your word I will, a banner over our lives. Because it's at your word I will. It's the one who speaks. The one who speaks to us. Do we see who he is? I understand why we wouldn't do what Rishi says or Keir says. I understand why people wouldn't do what I say. Because of the one that's speaking, we just might not like them. You might not like me. It's okay. But Jesus the one who speaks to us. He is so good and so lovely. 
He loves us so much. You know this. You know the love he has for you. That from eternity past, the Son, living in perfect glory, became a baby in first century Palestine. First century Israel. No no central heating. No air conditioning. No NHS. No doctors. No dentistry. No sanitation. That's what he chose to do for you. We would struggle to do that for a week. He chose to do it for his whole life, for you. Not only that, he was nailed to a cross to bleed out for you. Not only that, but to take the wrath of God for you. Not only that, he loves us so much that he descended to the dead. He descended to the dead. The one who made all life descended to the dead for us because he loves us. And now he speaks to us. For a second, do we think that someone that would love us that much would give us a command that wouldn't be for our good? Of course not. Every command he gives to us is for our good. He wouldn't go to those lengths then to give us a command that's kind of eh, indifferent for us. He wants to bless us as we hear his word. Brothers and sisters, at your word I will. It is so good for us that we would do it. Uh, The encounter moves on uh, as Simon is caught. Uh, Simon is caught in verse 8. And let's just take a look at the line, how how, how he responds. It's there in verse 6. When they had done this, that is, when they had... Uh, Sorry, sorry, not verse 6, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, that is the miracle, the great catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In the miracle, in the fulfilling of Jesus' word, Simon catches a glimpse, and that glimpse is enough to reveal to him something of Jesus and something of himself. Simon knows fishing. It's his life. And he knows that what just happened could not be done by any mere fisherman. It is not possible that they could go out to the middle of the lake, let down nets, and pull out so much fish that it would nearly sink two boats. That's tons, literally tons of fish. And he knows in that moment there is no explanation for this man being an ordinary man. He sees that he is holy. He sees that he is different. He sees that he has the very power of God in him. I'm sure that he doesn't have all the information, doesn't know all the answers. He doesn't know what we know about him being the eternal son of God coming to earth. He doesn't know all that there is to know about him being the Messiah. He certainly doesn't understand that Jesus is going to die on a cross in his place for his sins. And yet he knows enough to call him Lord. This glimpse. This glimpse where Jesus has told the fish to get in the net. By the way, they know the principle. At your word, I will. He sees Jesus as Lord. And then he sees himself as a sinner. He says to Jesus, depart from me. 
for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I don't know if you've had that experience. I definitely have had that experience where I look at Jesus and I go, oh, I'm not as good as you. I could never have done that. You are so kind and loving. I don't know if you've had that experience as you've been gathered here. Some days I have that where I'm singing words about Jesus. I'm seeing him and his love or the Father's love for me and I go, I, I don't love my sons like that. I don't love like that. I am, I am not, not, I am a sinful man. <laughs> or, or as we're encouraged to confess our sin as we read the law. If you've had that experience of knowing, or maybe it's just you look at someone else in the church family, you go, you, they, you are a godly person, and you recognize in yourself that you are not. That's what's going on here with Simon. And he says to Jesus, depart from me. I need to go away. You need to go. We need to not be, you're too holy. You're too good. But do you see what Jesus says? Verse 10, do you see what Jesus says, how he responds? He doesn't say, yes, you're quite right, let me leave. No, in fact, you go further away. Get back into the middle of the lake. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of my holiness. Do not be afraid of me. And then this takes us to point four. And he says to Simon, join me, come closer to me. Point four, Simon is called to fish for people. Do you see, Simon, as he sees the miracle, catches a glimpse of Jesus' glory. And by the way, it really is only a glimpse, isn't it? You and I know so much more of the glory that Jesus is going to reveal. As he makes the blind see and the lame walk. As he, as he feeds thousands of people with just two fish and some little bits of bread. As Jesus raises people from the dead, Lazarus and the, the widow's son and, and the little girl and himself. And as he defeats death and sin and raises again and brings in the new creation. That shows us more of Jesus' glory. Simon gets it from just this glimpse of getting some fish in a net. We should see his holiness. Simon sees his holiness. Simon says, depart from me. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And instead, join me. Join me in catching men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. That's what Jesus says to all of us. As we come to him knowing that we aren't all that we should be as sinners. We, say, we might feel like he should depart or that we should flee. But he doesn't say that. He says, come to me. He says, don't be afraid. Come to me. Join in my kingdom and my kingdom's work. Go fishing in the same way that I have. Live a holy life. Live in step with my word. Let me work through you as you do it and speak of the good news of the kingdom. Fish for people. 
This illustration quite often catches people don't like it. And I get it. It goes like this. Fishing, catch the fish, eat the fish. Bad for the fish, good for the fishermen. People kind of go, I'm not sure I like this idea of Simon catching people like that. It doesn't sound good. It seems like it's going to be bad for the people, but good for Simon. But Jesus is very careful in the word that he chooses. It's kind of cool. I don't often do Greek stuff, but this is good. The word he uses earlier when he says, let down your nets for a, kit, for a catch, is the catch to die and eat thing. Over here, different word. It's two words stuck together. It is the word zoe, which means life, which means life, and the word catch. And he puts it together so that the word means, Simon, you're going to be life-catching people. You're going to be catching people alive. You're going to be rescuing people. You're going to be drawing people into the kingdom for life. That's what you're going to be doing. Now, that's quite exciting, I think, that that's what Simon is being called to do. That's what we are being called to do. And how does he respond? How does Simon respond to the call? At your word, I will. He doesn't say it, but look what he does. And when they, that's him and, all, and the other disciples that are there, James and John and, and others, and when they had brought their nets, brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Not just with their lips did they say, at your word, I will. With their whole lives, they said, at your word, I will. And nothing held them back. Not their boat, not their business, their livelihood, not their reputation, not the cash that they left in the boat. There are literally tons of fish in the boat. That is, I don't know, let's call it a month's money, just left to rot. They let nothing hold them back from coming to Jesus and saying, at your word, I will. Brothers and sisters, please, would we let nothing hold us back when we hear Jesus' commands from saying, at your word, I will. Let it not be business. Let it not be reputation. Let it not be what other people will say or think or do. Certainly let it not be money or education or anything else. And if you know that Jesus is fishing for you, if you've heard him say to you, come to me, come to me. He is saying to you, come to me. Let nothing hold you back. Let nothing hold you back. But come to him. Say at your word, I will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please would you help us to respond to your word by faith. Would we learn the lesson of Simon? Would we make it a banner, a resolution in our lives? That whenever you call to us, we would say, at your word, 
I will. Amen.